I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Scott Jason with Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW's TV show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by FlintHillsAuto.com. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. The man to my right, filling in for Scott Chasen, is Mitchell Summers of WIBW Sports. Welcome. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. I always watch the shows or I listen to podcasts, so it's going to be weird to be on the other side. Uh, I'm going to be listening to myself this time. Yeah, that's kind of odd. It is very But bizarre. the optics are a little more even here with between the two of us, and you can interact with us on social media at Facebook.com slash Drive Show, on Twitter at the Drive 13 and of course, answer our weekly podcast poll question and make your game predictions over at thedriveshow.com. You're doing a little bit too well currently. <laughs> and remember, if you ever miss an episode of The Drive, you can listen to an audio-only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at both gopowercat.com and fog.net. And we start things off with our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Hands. They've been expecting you for a while now. You probably should go eat there. So now let's eat. I'll be going there sooner or later one of these times. got to do it. They're waiting for us. I know. So K-State started fast, but Texas made more plays Saturday in Austin, beating the Wildcats 27-24. Tim, what does this mean for the Wildcats long term? It, it kind of lowers people back to earth a little bit, I think, when you're talking in terms of what K-State fans were beginning to expect from this season, because the next three games are very winnable with West Virginia Tech and Iowa State coming into Manhattan, and the game is uh, with Tex and Lubbock. It's, it's very attainable. Texas had its back up against the wall. You expected a good shot from the Longhorns, and the Wildcats jumped out and got on top of them pretty quickly with the 14-0 lead. And, and then Texas kind of locked in on what they were supposed to do in this game, which was they really needed to win. <clears throat> like Texas has a bunch of talent. They can talk about injuries. They can talk about this and that. Uh, they still load up on four or five-star guys in their recruiting class, and it's a really talented football team. K-State went in there and gave it a good shot. This, this game literally came down to who would make one more play or get one more call from the officials. It was that kind of back and forth. And of course, K-State had the just enormous kickoff return uh, from the freshman Josh Youngblood that really kind of changed things back around. Uh, but te it was Texas that could put together the defining drive of the game and go down the field uh, and kick what ended up being the winning field goal. But really, you know, K-State was on the ropes, and then Youngblood just burst through and really made a tremendous return. What this game means is, I'm going to be pretty simplistic here, K-State's 6-3, and three, which is still ahead of schedule if you were looking at this in terms of what it meant to have a first-year coach in Manhattan. They are still eligible, and as I mentioned, they still have three winnable games. If they end up winning eight or nine games in this season, it, I would consider it wildly successful in comparison to what, you know, they were picked ninth in the conference, and a lot of people doubted Chris Klein retiring. So I think uh, really, even though it's a loss, in some ways you take some positives out of the fact that they went to the, the wire with a very talented Texas team. I will say the one thing that was wild, how the game did just drastically switch. Yeah. You know, K-State was up 14-0, and Texas really had never proved themselves on defense up until this point, but then it just really flipped the opposite direction. They kept run blitzing. They, they absolutely were challenging K-State to throw the ball. They kept you know running up into every gap and, and forcing the issue with K-State. Skylar Thompson couldn't get loose to run the ball and had to throw it a little bit. Um, they just kind of 
overpowered K-State at one point with just sheer talent. And, you know, that's going to happen right now. It's still early. Chris Klein has got a lot of recruiting to do to get this roster up to where he wants it to sure. be. KU football just finished up its bye week after a disappointing loss to Kansas State. Mitchell, what did the Jayhawks need to do to rebound against Oklahoma State? Well, I think it's a lot more of going back to the things that have always been plaguing KU up until this point. It's defense, defense, defense. Right. And looking at the stats, KU is 123rd in the nation, yards allowed per game. And a lot of that's come on the ground. A lot of teams have been able to feast on that KU defense. They're giving up 126th in the nation right now in yards allowed per game. Now, unfortunately, OK State comes in with a pretty good running back in Chuba Hubbard. He's leading the nation in not rushing bad. yardage right now. It's not bad. 18 touchdowns on top of that, too. So against an inexperienced linebacker core that's really reeling from the loss of Drew Prox. And I mean, even if he were to be back, I mean, that would still be a talented, depleted mm -hmm. linebacking core right now. And of course, on the top of the defensive line. So OK State, they're the ninth best team in the nation for rushing yardage for a reason. And I mean, looking at this KU defense, it's it's going to be a struggle. That's that's more than anything, than anything. it's going to be a struggle to find that physicality right. to break through, take down Chuba, and try to slow down that. I mean, they just had Oklahoma State had so many weapons. It, it almost strikes me that KU has to get this offense back on track after K-State shut it down. And get into a shootout. They want a shootout, maybe getting Oklahoma State away from their running game and just start throwing points up, kind of replicate what they did at Texas. It should, in a sense, turn into being that because outside of that K-State game, of course, Oklahoma State really hasn't shown to prove themselves on defense yeah. at any point. So might be a great round four matchup for the Deerman experience. Of course, it did see that roadblock in the Sunflower Showdown. So I knew at some point that was going to happen. You know, some team was going yeah. to get KU. There wasn't. It wasn't always going to be pushing daisies. You know, for KU. So at some point, it was going to hit that roadblock and it happened. So now against a defense. As I always like point out, every game in the Big 12 is self-contained. Mm -hmm. It's all a different matchup. Doesn't matter what you did the week before or what you do the week after. Everything's a little bit self-contained and really. Truly, anyone can beat anyone. Sure. All right. Now, Baylor rallied to beat TCU in overtime, and Oklahoma escaped disaster against Iowa State. The top two teams, the Big 12, meet next Saturday in Waco. How do you see this game playing out? Well, I, I would think Oklahoma would win, but, you know, for all we want to talk about, Baylor isn't that good. What do they do? They win football games, and that's exactly what uh, they did on Saturday in Fort Worth, I still can't explain how they ended up winning this game. This was a stinky game for the most part. I mean, it was it was a field goal exchange until it got into overtime when finally someone found the end zone. Going to overtime, what was it, 9-9? Um, sounds like two Germans arguing. Uh, it's uh, it, it was not a real pretty game, but that's because in part because Baylor, Baylor's defense is so good. Mm -hmm. It is it is by far the best defense in the conference, and that's really the matchup I'm anxious to see, Mitchell. I'm, I'm anxious to see this Baylor defense and how it can handle Jalen Hurts in Oklahoma. Yeah, I think up until this point, the Big 12's been about a lot of teams kind of eating up on themselves, right? right. And Baylor's been the one team that has refused to make mistakes. They're the team that's the least shot themselves in the foot out of anyone else in the Big 12. Right. You know, even o OU with that one game against K-State. So moving forward, I mean, it's really going to be if, if Baylor cannot commit those big mistakes, corral Jalen Hurts in some fashion, or CeeDee Lamb try to stop them, if that can happen, then it should be Baylor's game. 
I stopped watching the Oklahoma-Iowa State game because I had work to do and I just <laughs> turned off the television in my hotel room when I was out on the road. You're a busy man. And <laughs> I didn't find out until later what had happened in the controversial ending. So kudos to Iowa State, but this is the problem with Oklahoma. I'm not sure the defense is really better than what we've seen the last two games from Oklahoma. Yeah, it's, we'll get to the picks later, but it's going to be very intriguing to see where everyone goes on this one because this is going to be a good game. Now, in the bigger picture, and we'll also get to this later, I don't think either team is playoff worthy. They're just not complete things. One's got a really good offense, one's got a really good defense, and it just doesn't really match up. Yeah, when you start talking about playoffs, this is where it gets interesting because if Baylor does win out, wins the Big 12 championship, then it's really difficult not to include them but they're unbeaten I don't know how you don't include a right. unbeaten major power conference champion oh I can feel Alabama burning I, know. <laughs> I can too now a quick look at your poll question results and poll questions are brought to you by film and 11 your go fast look good play hard custom shop and last week's question was will Yudoka Azabuki make only he made 34.4 percent of his free throws last year what will he be his percentage this year a zero to 34 percent that was at 20 percent now B, 35 to 44%, 50% more of what people were expecting, probably around where it'll be. <coughs> C, it a little more positive, 45 to 54%, 20%. Now, here's where you lose me. The 55% are better, it's at 10%. I, mean, I just don't I see don't, that. Happen. I don't know who voted for that, but that's <laughs> the same people think that I'm attractive. <laughs> this week's question is, after the injury to Jalen Wilson, should Bill Self consider removing Mitch Lightfoot's red shirt? Here are your answers. A, yes right away. B, yes, but only if the team struggles. C, no. D, I want a cookie. That, that's not actually one of the answers. I like but the D option. I know. Vote at thedriveshow.com. Uh, that, that's a tough one, you know. I Yeah, I'll, I like Mitch Lightfoot. I think he brings a lot to the court. I think they probably do need to play him. It's it's something that uh, this defense, or th this, this KU team overall is just missing shooting, you know, and it's going to put a lot more pressure on Isaiah Moss, the Iowa transfer, to come in and really stretch the defense right. um, to try to find some type of shooting because Devon Dotson and Ochak Baji, they're not two knockdown shooters. So Mitch Lightfoot's probably the second best shooter on the team right now. So at some point, if the team continues to struggle to score points, then that's the only option. Yep. Well, yep. that'll do it for this half of the two-minute drill. We'll be right back with more on KU and K-State on The Drive. Welcome back to The Drive as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Hula Hands. They've been expecting you. Now let's eat. Now, the K-State basketball team went to Sin City. You were there and I needed sacrifice. overtime, for the, but the Wildcats beat UNLV 60-56. How nice was this win for Bruce Weber's team? It wasn't pretty, but in terms of what it meant for this team, it was really good. Now, let's remind you that last year the Wildcats won the Big 12 and went 0-3 in their true non-conference road game. So this team accomplished something last year's team couldn't pull off. And Bruce Weber said that last year's team, even though they lost at Marquette, they seemed to really grow from the experience of going out on the road and, and finally found their way once they got into Big 12 road games and started winning. 
This was an ugly game. I mean, K-State had 16 points at halftime. The Wildcats are really going to struggle to find their offense for a while, but they did kind of step up, and it really was, you know, early in that second half, Xavier Sneed hit some three-pointers, and they got it rolling. Uh, and once K-State kind of climbed back into it, there was another surge by UNLV to go up for five, and then K-State got right back into it with uh, another three points from Xavier Sneed from the free-throw line. K-State stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with a, a scrappy UNLV, UNLV team playing in front of about 9,000 fans, which for them was a big crowd. <clears throat> and there was a lot of K-Staters there. It, it's a nice win. I mean, it's not going to push anything on the resume. At the end of the day, UNLV is not going to help them get in the NCAA tournament. Winning on the road against a, you know, a Mountain West team is going to help them. That is certainly worth noting. And K-State's young players got into a scrap and found a way to win. And with those three freshmen, I think it's really encouraging that K-State was able to do that. You've seen in back-to-back -back games now, first it was Cartier Jada in the first game. He helped close the game yeah. against uh, NDSU. Now this one against UNLV, Xavier Sneed stepped up big when they needed him. So now in back-to-back -back times, K-State's found someone that's been able to step up. That's something that they were looking to replace from last year's yeah. trio, right? So to yeah. have this this type of an experience should pay dividends it, for those guys. It should. You know, uh, both Jada and Sneed were high-volume scorers. They shot a lot of shots to get their points at UNLV. Not good. They're going to have to find more relaxed natural ways to get offense. I think these freshmen will develop into scores. Uh, they, they all have skill. You can see it. Um, and uh, they'll settle in. I'm warning K-Staters though, this is going to be a little bit of a roller coaster. There's going to be a lot of things, a lot of lessons to be learned along the way for this group. Right. The Kansas basketball team is already redshirting two players. Another went down on Friday as Jalen Wilson is set to miss three months with a broken ankle. That would probably be my life. I'd probably just have to be put down. Mitchell, have the season expectations already changed for KU basketball? Well, if you're asking if the season expectations have changed, I'm going to ask you to take a look into my comment <laughs> sections for anything KU related. Because after that loss against Duke, everyone still expected them to come out on top in that game. So to, to answer shortly, no, expectations haven't changed. This, this is still a team that fans are expecting to make a deep tourney push and still technically has the talent to do so. You know, there's the big man, Yudoka Azabuki. He's a, one of the best bigs in the country, regardless if he can shoot above 40% from the free throw line or not. Um, and then I really do think Ochaik Baji has a chance to be a special athlete, especially on the wing. That's where I think we'll make, uh, uh, when he's defending other perimeter players, I think that's where he has a chance to be really special with his length. And then Devon Dotson, he's a great slash and kick type of guy. Now, the problem being, what's gonna happen when you kick it, you know? Isaiah Moss is a guy that if you, probably later on down the line is someone that you can rely upon a little bit more to stretch out the defense and shoot, but he's still dealing with a hamstring injury. So what does that mean for the rest of the team? That's why we're asking if Mitch Lightfoot's a guy that should come back because simply put, he can shoot. And KU's, I mean, the, the, the tactic everyone's going to have to defend them is just to stash the paint. Right. Keep Devon from getting to the paint, you know, stop you duck as a bookie, triple team him maybe, and 
And if they can find some type of shooting, that's what they need. So, Well, despite this injury, KU still the most talented team in the Big 12. Right. They still have a big man that can you know, defend the rim and take away the lane from opposing offenses, which is always good for the way Bill Self wants to play and get out, on, get out and run a little bit. I think they're going to be fine, and Coach Self is really good at adjusting to these things, mm -hmm. kind of reinventing his team on the fly. Someone will step up. And now we step out of bounds. Well, LSU went into Alabama and won, while Minnesota toppled Penn State. Did not see that one coming. What does this mean for the college football playoff? And as of now, what four teams belong in that playoff? Oh, I mean, I feel everyone can confidently give at least three. Three. Exactly. But that fourth one is where things get really hairy. Okay, LSU and Ohio State are incredible football teams. Mm -hmm. I think we can all sit here today and hope that that's the national championship game. Mm -hmm. But that's just shoving aside a Clemson team that has mm -hmm. a program that has proven to be of national title quality year in and year out. So this is it. that's exactly why we have the playoff. Those three teams are unbeaten. Those three teams right now belong in. You've got to keep the asterisk for Minnesota and Baylor, don't you? Mm -hmm. I, mean, I can't believe Minnesota won that game. Right. At least a little bit. The The option is still there. So things have a chance to get really messy. If you have... It really does. If if, uh, if Ohio State, let's say let's say they lose to Minnesota. They don't, let's say Ohio State doesn't win the Big Ten championship game. Now you have a couple of one-loss teams that are chilling around there. Then like that will throw in Alabama. But then what does that mean for the fourth team there so now I've, it's whoever's going to win out and not make those big mistakes Al Alabama is just going to be the fourth team unless yeah. someone's unbeaten and you no know, you know as long as Alabama only has one loss I mean you lose at home that should be a bigger mark than losing on the road but mm -hmm. that LSU team is so good that mm -hmm. was an epic game mm -hmm. Alabama's going to probably be in, and let's be blunt about it, ESPN and ABC want that mm -hmm. because we're looking at right now the way the teams will probably be seated. You would have an LSU-Alabama semifinal. Right. I think the world would burn if Alabama was not represented. <laughs> it's it's going to be time to move on from Alabama eventually, folks. All right. Now, well, let's hear from the fans. Our, Frank, our fan question this week is, K-State has three freshmen seeing time. Which do you think has the chance to be the biggest star? Well, this is a really good class. I mean, I really like all three guys, but there's something about Montavious Murphy's game that uh, I really, really like. He's uh, They list him at 6'9". Come on. He's about 6'7". And he's a wing guy, and I, I think he's more suited to be a three. He's playing the four a little bit, uh, but he can score inside out. He's very active. He's long. Someone made a great comparison. He looks exactly like a Baylor player, mm. just long and lanky and, and all over the place and can shoot the ball. I really like Murphy. I like both of the Gordons, too. Dejuan and Antonio, I think they're both going to be really good players. Maybe they have a little more development with their game, and Murphy has more development with his body. But it's, it's a really promising class. Add in the four freshmen that they look to be signing here in the early signing period for next year. And the program's really getting an incredible foundation. Mm, right. The, there's going to be a lot of opportunities at those guard positions. So yeah. Dejuan can step up and yeah, get really the chance. Yeah, really can. Really can. Well, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. When we return, we look at our, predict our predictions here on The Drive.
Welcome back as we head down the home stretch of this week's show and now it's time to look at take a look at our predictions. I'm so excited I can't speak. <laughs> the predictions are brought to you by Vanderbilt, your work boot center and remember to make your weekly predictions at thedriveshow.com and let's look at last week's results. Let's do it. Look at Fitz. I just thought you said myself in the third You're person. You're making a comeback. I know. I, I go 3-0 and and still look at my overall record. I'm in last. The fans <laughs> are in first. Scott Chasen is somewhere in the middle. He went 1-2 and two and then took the week off out of pure shame. We know what it was. You've got to take the week one at a time. I know. I know. And I, yeah, I stink. Now, this week's picks start with Oklahoma. Now, I find this surprising. Minus 9.5. They're favored by 9.5 points in Waco. So, will Oklahoma win by 10 or more? points in Waco you say I just don't see that happening <clears throat> I don't either like that that is just a wide margin to have to find it's a big number on the road against an unbeaten team with a good defense look Oklahoma might win this game but I don't think it'll be by 10 or more points so I'll take Baylor on that number right right now next is case uh, Kansas plus 19 at Oklahoma State what are you thinking well Oklahoma State now we're talking needs to beat Kansas by 20 or more points I just laid out the map the shootout map to mm -hmm. get it under that number and I don't think it'll work Oklahoma State's gonna win this game big okay state I think will win this game ultimately but by that margin, I'm not sure. That's where I wrestled with. I mean, Will, can, if Kansas scores 40-plus points, you're going to have problems outscoring them by 20 or more. Right. At the end of the day, that's what I think it's going to be. And, and on top of that, like the way OK State's going to run the ball, it's going to kill the clock, yeah. and they're going to ultimately not want to give the ball to any chance that Brent Deerman shows what that offense can do. That's why we invited him to be on the show. <laughs> and last week's game is West Virginia plus 12 at K-State. So K-State is favored by 12 points. Will they win by basically two touchdowns? I say yes. I say yes, too, considering that this team, every time they feel like they've dropped or come behind, they always roar back in some fashion. Right. So I think this is an opportunity against a rather lackluster West Virginia team for K-State to have that time where they roar back. Yep. Again, make your picks over at thedriveshow.com. And now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One. Buy local for a strong local community. And we start off with Mitchell Summers. For me, I want to go to that LSU-Alabama game one more time. There is, more importantly, outside of all the fanfare associated with the game, you know, it's LSU and Alabama, and this is something that could ultimately lead to LSU making it to a championship game or Alabama missing a championship game. Outside of all those things, I want to just talk about Coach Orgeron. He's a guy that has been around the block for a little while in college football and a guy who had said he'd missed his opportunity at, at, at Ole Miss and come to LSU now, he's a Louisiana guy, and you can't help but feel really great for him to have his moment with his team as a Louisiana guy. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was a big win. K-State fans, you're in for kind of a wild ride this year. Football's already giving you maybe more than you expected at six and three. They might end up with seven, eight, nine wins. We don't know. They might lose another game or two and break your heart. Basketball is going to be kind of a roller coaster all season. They're going to beat some people and lose, lose some people that you think they should beat. Just don't sweat it. You know, don't sweat the petty stuff and don't pet the sweaty stuff, as my dad used to tell me. <laughs> and I think it's just going to be a fun season of K-State sports, even with the highs and lows. And that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you next week right here. Maybe Scott will be back and all week on social media.